Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here, and joining me on the show today from the Star Tribune, Ben Gessling, a throwback to our old podcast that we used to do, the original Purple Podcast. In my first year, which was 2016, Ben, we spent many a day in that little uh, lounge or restaurant. Carter's Cafe or whatever it was. And uh, there were loud TVs and strange things happening at all times, both on the field and in that cafe. So we're in a little quieter environment now, and uh, I thank you for coming on. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me. We have certainly leveled up in terms of our surroundings. Crazy things still happening. So we've got yep. a little bit of the old, a little bit of the new. So I, I wanted to... Um, create a game just specifically for you that Do I, I get knew to get crappy quarterbacks like. um <laughs> it well it doesn't take that long to name <laughs> all of them um so that won't make for a full podcast you okay. can if you like but i created this game specifically with you in mind because i thought you'd like it because i believe it was 2017 that mike zimmer when asked about whether sam bradford would be returning said that he did not have a crystal ball yes okay yeah i think that came back a couple times that year Uh uh-huh with all the stuff about was there a jinx on the team as they got into the playoffs too so yeah i believe also that a local what do you call them future teller uh sent a crystal ball to mike psychic psychic something is that what they are um so anyway i want to play the crystal ball game with you okay all right so this is going to work two ways. Uh, I may ask you to look into your crystal ball, or I may look into mine. Okay. And then we're going to explain how we're seeing the things we're seeing. Okay? All right. So let's start off with this one. If I look into my crystal ball and I see Andre Patterson coaching the Minnesota Vikings as the head coach, uh, when am I looking to? I think you could be looking as soon as later this month, possibly, if you look at if they lose – Baltimore on Sunday they lose to the Chargers and then you would lose to the Packers at home you are then three and seven which effectively though maybe not mathematically eliminates you and would have the added embarrassment of you've just lost to your rival at home which was the juncture that the Vikings decided they needed to fire Brad Childress in the middle of the season so it's possible you're looking that soon uh, there may be the comeback at that point of, well, it gets a little easier with the 49ers and the Lions and the Steelers. But the embarrassment, if that's enough for the Wolves to finally say, you know what, this is enough, I, I think it's possible you're looking to uh, the week of Thanksgiving. Yeah, I think um, losing three in a row here to make it four in a row and having it start with Cooper Rush beating you on national television. Like and ending this, with Jordan Love? And Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> maybe it's something about Rodgers will be in this crystal ball as well. Um, or maybe it's lying to us, just like Rodgers lied to the media maybe about his vaccination status. Maybe it's it's lying to us and then is going to come back and tell us that we got it wrong because <laughs> it didn't say vaccinated, it said immunized. Uh, yeah. Because that's going to happen. That is oh, – oh, for sure. Yeah, when he comes back, he'll be like, well, you guys just took it however you guys wanted to take it because – uh, Rogers, well, very good at football, is one of the most obnoxious human beings walking around the planet. That's like very not a criminal. Very sensitive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, very sensitive, very... Um, Arrogant, I think, would also be another yeah, way to put it. Wanting to make things, keep things in a in a construct where he's always right. 
There's yeah. a lot of it, I think. Yeah, there's a lot of that in the NFL in general. Yeah, there is. Okay, whoa, the crystal ball's doing something, Ben. <laughs> it's making it's crazy noises, and it's shooting out smoke, and it's now showing that the Vikings have won the next two games, and now it's showing me Mike Zimmer is saying, quote, you guys doubted us. <laughs> I, what What is happening here? What? What had to have happened? Well, they went into Baltimore and figured out a way to stop Lamar Jackson somehow. <laughs> As I look here on Wednesday, I'm not sure I see how that happens, but they Mike Zimmer reached into his bag of tricks, came up with a game plan that did not allow Lamar Jackson to run wild, forced him to play in the pocket. They stopped some of the run plays. Michael Pierce came back, that vaunted middle of the defense that they – we're trying to create with Pierce and Tomlinson held up. Pierce played well against his former team. They won the game. Then they went out to the West Coast. They took advantage of a young quarterback that may be able to get fooled by some things, likes to take some chances. They got a couple of picks. Bashad Breland came back, had his best game of the season, got a couple of picks, handled it very graciously, and they won the game. And now they're coming back home to face the Packers at 5-4. and four. Playoff hopes very much alive. All you naysayers uh, are eating crow at this yeah. point. Now, I think that these two things, maybe the reason the crystal ball is malfunctioning is because they're almost equally possible. Yes, that's this team. That's the 2021 Vikings. Is You could sit there and say, and they did for the first few weeks of the season, wow, we're a couple of plays from being 3-1 and one or 4-0 and oh or whatever. And you could also say there are a couple of plays from – having one win. So, yeah, they're both certainly plausible that this happens. I mean, it's it's the roller coaster nature of being mediocre that yeah. we've been riding forever and um I was just writing something where I sort of said like every time this team starts to feel like the icy cold reality that this someday will end, uh then all of a sudden they get a win where they can go, "Ah, see, we're actually good." It's just been exactly what has happened Every year, I mean, even when you think about 2018, where they were playing Miami and Detroit yep. at the end of the season after they fired John DiFilippo, yep. and we were thinking, oh man, you lose one of these two games, and all of a sudden there's going to be people in big trouble, and then they win them just enough to get themselves that last chance, and even last year. Boy, if you lose to Jacksonville and Carolina, I mean, this could be big changes. And then they get wins in overtime, and a last-second field goal is missed. But this is a different back against the wall, I think, because it's not Jacksonville, and it's not Carolina. And in 2019, it was uh, the Giants, and it was Detroit. Like, the schedule makers said, not this time. (laughs) (laughs) the, The number of outs they have, to use a poker term, are not as high against these teams, I don't think. And they haven't been very good at going on the road and playing consistently and winning these types of games. The fact that four of the next five are on the road, I mean, San Francisco is kind of, they're kind of goofy and it's kind Mm -hmm. of a mess. It's hard to know what to make of that. I mean, that at the beginning of the season, I thought is a game, they're not going to go out there and win that because I thought the 49ers, I think we're going to be better than they've been. I thought the travel after the end of that stretch was going to be awfully difficult. It may still be that way, but maybe that one's a little easier than it has looked. But these these next three may put you in enough trouble with the teams that you're going to have to beat. That They just aren't going to make the types of mistakes that let you off the mat to the level that the Panthers did or the Jaguars did or even 
you know, some of the teams we've seen, whether it's the Lions or the Panthers in recent weeks, we're not dealing with those types of teams here. So if they are able to make a run, they will have probably earned at least a little bit of the right to do the I told you so thing, which leads me to uh, my crystal ball appears to be making some noise, making some chatter over here. It's taking us forward to March of 2022. We are sitting in the room next door at a press conference where the Vikings are announcing that they have signed Kirk Cousins to yet another contract. They have uh, added another three years to keep him in the building through 2025, I suppose it would be, uh, ripping up the last year of next year's deal. How did we get there? Okay, so this means that what happened – what your crystal ball is showing us yep. is that the Vikings, let's even say they win two of the next three. Okay. They lose to LA, but they beat Baltimore, which I think is not crazy to think yeah. about. Like I, yeah. Baltimore has just had a lot of body blows this year to their roster. Yeah. They have no running backs left. Like Latavius Murray was showing up there. Do they have Le'Veon Bell on their team? They might have. I yeah, swear I Le'Veon Bell is on this yeah, football team. I think that's true. Uh, so it's been really weird with them. They've had uh, Ronnie Stanley get hurt, offensive lineman. They've had some COVID issues as well. So they've got everything's a mess. Let's say they go there, they beat them. And then they go out to L.A., lose, come back. They beat Green Bay. I think that's possible. And all of a sudden, that's the, okay, now season back on. And they fight through the rest of the year. We get some wins. We get some losses. Split with Chicago. Maybe Green Bay wins the other one. But the NFC is so bad. Trevor Simeon falls apart in New Orleans. Atlanta. Atlanta's really hard. Um, San Francisco never quite gets it back. Jimmy G gets hurt again. And the Vikings make the seven seed or the six seed at nine and eight. Yep. And then they say, you know, guys. If not for those first two games, <laughs> which we should have won, we would yep. have been 11 and six. And you guys doubted us, but Kirk proved that as soon as he was doubted by you guys, he fought back. Now, my question, though, for the crystal ball is, is, is his head coach the same, though? Like, who's introducing yeah. him? The last time Zimmer introduced uh, Cousins for <laughs> a contract was pretty funny. He's terrific in the boots in the boots. is what he said yeah yep. uh but um who's the coach introducing him uh it's mike zimmer in that scenario i think hmm. uh, because i don't think that if everything gets blown up that you're going to have a new gm come in here and say we are extending cousins i i would think that would either be something where you try to trade him and say we'll, we'll eat the 10 million dollars and start over, or you play it out, and he's he becomes the bridge quarterback to whatever is coming after that. So I think if the crystal ball is showing us the future that we are about to live in, it's that they have won enough games, they've gone to the playoffs, and they've decided, let's run it back. Let's keep everybody. If we put this all together, one of these years it's all going to hit. Okay, let me ask the crystal ball then. Is there any way, Mr. Crystal Ball, that – Cousins is the only one of the three that stays. If Cousins played well enough for them to say, you're still our guy, whoever the new general manager yeah. and head coach came in, and they said, no, no, we we like Cousins, and we want to have a franchise quarterback. We just believe that this team needs a better offensive line and a more uh, offense-friendly head coach who's going to find ways to be aggressive and who will go for it on fourth down. I mean, I think most general managers want to pick their quarterback. 
but I don't think that's crazy unrealistic that that could happen. Yeah, I think there's a a possibility of that, especially if the next coach is from the Shanahan Kubiak tree, kind of the one you've been in, Mm -hmm. but maybe somebody who's got head coach, who is head coach material. Uh, How good of standing do we feel like Kyle Shanahan is in in San Francisco? Because that would be a scenario that I could. It's a little bit of a stretch because I think you'd be more likely to go with the Joe Brady type or Brian Dable or you know somebody that's a little younger, maybe coming through at the first sure. time. But Shanahan has been to a Super Bowl. If he was on the market, I think you'd at least take a look at it. I think so too. Uh, Kellen Moore certainly came to mind yeah. after the other night. I yeah. mean, we have to give him credit for a terrific game plan against the Vikings with Cooper Rush. They didn't produce a ton of points, but they found ways to get the ball to their number one and two wide receivers, which. <laughs> uh, Can- can help you win some games sometimes sometimes i might go ask justin jefferson you know anybody you want to be your head coach because you're the guy who's going to be the most important to this thing now wait a minute uh the crystal ball is changing a little bit here it's changing yeah it is changing uh and it's showing me a trade of kirk cousins Is, is it is there something wrong with it or is that a possibility, you think? I think your crystal ball, I, I don't think it's malfunctioning. I think there's a possibility that that happens. I think the scenario where we would see that is somebody says, okay, we can restructure your deal. And Kirk says, yeah, I'll do that because I'm getting a, a fresh start. I don't want to have this be a one-year rental. The Vikings only have to eat $10 million. They get all that cap space back. It's probably a scenario where they're picking high enough it's not a great quarterback draft, but they're picking high enough to say we can take somebody and develop them or we get the bridge guy and we do that a year from now. We go find our guy and we take the cap space and we try to retool the roster with that. And I, We've seen so many bad quarterbacks, whether it's Baker Mayfield, probably not to quite that degree, but Jared Goff, Sam Darnold, and some of these are cautionary tales about – you better get it right when you draft one up top. But I think they also are something of a reminder that Kirk Cousins is better than a lot of quarterbacks we see on a week-in, week-out basis in the league. So there would be somebody, I think, especially if they can redo the deal, mm-hmm. that would say, yeah, we'll we'll take a flyer on that. I, I think it'd be somebody that is in this type of a scheme and would probably be happy to – keep him for a year, two, three, something like that. So, yeah, I think your crystal ball could be right on that. I think if you're a team that is horrific, Kirk Cousins can get you to relevant. Yeah, I think that's probably true. And that's important. I mean, that really – like, if you're the Houston Texans or the New York Giants, the New York Giants, I mean, there was that graphic ESPN show the other night about through seven or eight games or whatever it was, and they've either had one or two wins every year going back. Yeah. And and it was like – they need an eight, nine win season to get back to relevance. And maybe, you know, in the future, I don't know if that's your franchise quarterback forever, but you need to play football games that matter at some point. So your fans don't just completely give up on you. And there's like five franchises like that. I've also sort of circled new Orleans and Pittsburgh as two winning franchises that say, we can't fall off. We can't drop back. We can't draft quarterbacks and then sit back for a couple of years. Cause that's not how our franchises operate. Yeah. But that's funny though, because the Vikings don't operate that way. Yeah. They, they certainly haven't. Right. They've had chances to drop back and they have said, no, we're not going to do it. And right now it's organically happening, which 
Uh, here's a question for you that's not exactly crystal ball, but the two scenarios we laid out to start, the one where they get back in the race and they've got a chance to make the playoffs and the one where everything falls apart. If we were to do a poll right now of all Vikings fans, let's say there's 2 million Vikings fans in Minnesota. I don't know what the real number is. Uh, How many are voting for they hope it falls apart? I tend to think, I mean, that number probably, from what we see on Twitter, we would think it's quite high. Yeah. Uh, Because that's certainly the reaction we see on Twitter is it's over, just blow it up, get everybody out of here, let's start over. I don't think, in, in reminding ourselves and everyone else that Twitter is not real life. Sure, I think if yeah. you look beyond that, I don't think the number would be as high as perhaps it should be. I think there is still a fair number of fans, especially casual ones, that would say, I just want my team to be relevant. If, if it means that we're in the playoffs and we have a chance, especially if the Packers are not as much of a juggernaut as we thought um, and the Packers playoff history in recent years certainly would suggest they're beatable even if they are that good I think a lot there would be probably a fair number of fans who would say yeah I'll take a chance on that and you know we'll worry about the rest of it later right I think a lot of people would say if you can get me to the playoffs yeah. then get me to the playoffs the way that I wonder, don't give me eight and nine and right. not in that well, doesn't do anybody yeah. any good yeah and we've seen that before eight seven and one yep. eight and eight we've seen that um I guess the, the thing that I think about is at some point I remember saying you should make a decision on what you're going to do on these things and then stick with it no matter what. And not last year, I probably yeah. said that yeah. like the head coach, the quarterback, the general manager, make a decision and don't be influenced by what happens in Green Bay, Carolina, Jacksonville, whatever. And clearly they were to stick with the same plan, to yeah. not draft Mac Jones, to not make a legitimate effort to draft Justin Fields yeah. and trade up for him, and instead try to solve the left tackle problem through the draft. Uh, clear that they sort of let seven and nine make that decision as opposed to what they could have ended up being after going one and five. Uh, I look at it the same way here. Because I think if you were going to tell me that they go nine and eight, make the playoffs, but you're still planning all the things you would have been planning anyway, because you just can't keep being mediocre forever. Yeah, I would I would endorse that because you always have a chance in the playoffs. But if you're going to do the thing that it seems the Wilfs have been doing, which is riding the wave week to week on whether they make a decision to change or not, I I think that's how you end up just like being stuck in the middle and never being able to pull that trigger. Yeah, especially given the number of teams in this league that are kind of right in the middle, and that's where the Vikings are right now, that can beat you in a given week or get beat in a given week. You are going to win a fair number of games simply by showing up and having representative talent, which the Vikings still have enough of, I think, to beat teams like I mean, certainly the Lions, uh, Pittsburgh. I think you probably beat the Bears once, if not twice. So that's seven right there. And then maybe you pick one off against the Packers. And now you're talking about all we need is one more and we're in. So it's not that hard to get to eight or nine wins, even where this thing stands. I think you can craft a a plausible scenario where you do that. The question is, if you do that, where are you really? Are you in a spot where you can – take that thing from where you are to contending in a in a year's time. I'm not sure that they are, but it's also a question of how much that matters because if you stay in it, if you stay relevant, 
the brand is still going to be strong. They're still going to sell out the stadium. They're still going to do big ratings on TV. Training camp will have fans here. People will be spending money. All that stuff is still in the mix. And I wonder how much they'd want to upset that if uh, if that's the scenario. I, I think the right thing to do is probably to say, let's look at it for what it is and, and let's, uh, let's move on. But, I yeah, I do think that ability to say we are relevant has been the biggest thing that Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer have had going for them. The worst they've ever been is 7-9. and nine. They yeah. haven't gone through 2011 where it's three wins and everybody's just embarrassed and everybody's tuning out. They've at least pretty much every year been able to go into December saying, yeah, it's it's not a great chance, but you, you turn on the playoff machine scenario thing and, and you flip a couple levers and change a couple games here and there and we're in the playoffs. Sam Ekstrom here, wondering if you're stuck on your company's injury report. In an unfortunate situation like that, it's good to have someone in your corner. That's where Kemet Sanford and Kramer Law can help you understand your rights under Minnesota's workers' compensation laws. There's enough uncertainty in our lives nowadays that the last thing you want is to feel helpless if you wind up in a bad situation after a workplace injury. Kemet Sanford and Kramer will fight for you if there's been a wrongfully denied work comp claim so you can get the benefits you deserve. If your claim's been accepted, they help with rehabilitation disputes, medical disputes, help you get a second opinion, and ensure you're getting all the benefits you're entitled to on an accepted claim. Kemet Sanford and Kramer will provide you with dedicated and experienced disability attorneys that have secured their clients tens of millions of dollars. Our good friends Mike, Pat, and Evan will handle all that messy legalese to and from the insurance company about your claim while you focus on what's important, your recovery. And there's no cost involved for reaching out to Kemet Sanford and Kramer. In fact, you don't pay a dime unless they successfully obtain your benefits. You get paid, then they get paid. It's that simple. The website is yourminnesotaworkcomplawyer.com where you can find a phone number to get a free consultation. This is an attorney advertisement from Kemet Sanford and Kramer, yourminnesotaworkcomplawyer.com. The one thing that we know about this, now this is where I differ from someone like um, Courtney, who feels like the fans' undying support for them is in part a cause. Uh, I don't look at it that way. I mean, I, I think that fans will always get excited about the draft, free agency. They'll make big moves. They'll uh, be convinced that next year's our year because that's what every fan in the yeah. NFL does. I mean, you could go through all 32 teams before the season starts and make a case for 27 of them that everything they did in the offseason will work and it's right. exciting. And and by the way, football season is short and it's in winter. And like, look, I'm not ever going to blame any fan <laughs> for getting excited or wanting to come to their game or to for loving their team i don't think that's that is not an excuse for the ownership to say we're okay with this mediocrity of going eight and nine nine and eight eight and eight nine and seven seven and nine all that stuff like that like you're not causing that if you go to games because everyone watches games in the nfl yeah everyone goes to games and all the money is shared through right. all the teams right. it's not like the twins, for example, who need the gate. Yep. Um, so I think it's uh, I I think that thinking is a little flawed. Like what I'm saying, listener, is it's not your fault. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's their fault. But um, 
you're right about the guarantee on the box to quote what is that it's a tommy boy yeah um the guarantee on the box is if you stick with these people you will event i mean you'll eventually end up sort of in the middle my question is though if you're looking in the crystal ball and you see that they're no longer able to do that um i don't see any way you can stick with it because that's been the calling card is we're always competitive right and i think these next few weeks could say to them but not anymore. And then you end up with a Falconsy, Dan Quinn type of thing yeah. where it's like, whatever you're doing, it's not working. And I, tell me what you felt, felt about the vibe around here this week. Well, it, it certainly seems like that loss has a different weight, a different tenor yes. than if you had lost to Dak Prescott. I, I think if you lose to Dak Prescott, you're saying, okay, we're three and four. We're still in it. The seventh seed in the NFC is wide open. We're still right in the in the thick of that race. But the fact that you lost to a quarterback that had never started a game, that had thrown three passes in the NFL before Sunday night, has a different feel. And Daniil Hunter being out, I think you look at what's coming and say, how in the world are we going to stop any of these quarterbacks without this guy? Because we saw it last year when they had no pass rush. They're not going to be that bad because I think Everson Griffin helps, but when people aren't focusing on Daniil Hunter anymore, how much does that change? I I feel like between Monday and today, there is a surliness, there is a little bit of a defensiveness that is different than what we have seen and probably would have seen had they just lost to Dak Prescott. And I also think there's a feeling of, I don't know if it's being resigned to the fate, but it's like the fate becomes real. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, when you're three and three, it feels like season is on and you could beat anybody. You just caught a good break, beat Dallas. Okay. Now, now we're going. But then when it's everything everyone said about us has been right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Then, then there's this, this, if we don't win these next few, it's over. It's, yeah. it's over for a lot of people here and it's over for this team's playoff chances. And think about like the comparison of where we are to where they thought they were going to be at the beginning of the year. I think there is a huge gap between what they thought about this team and what Mike Zimmer said at the very beginning of camp and what we have ended up with at three and four. Yeah. Or what he said in week four in terms of I've done this for 27 years. I know good football teams. This is a good football team. Uh, The stats don't show it. My experience shows it, all that stuff that we heard. And really we've seen this two years in a row because we heard Mike Zimmer say at the beginning of last year, we can win with this team. I've never had a bad defense, all that stuff. And then after the season, it was, this is the best coaching job we've ever done. Um, if we win seven, eight games with this team, it, it's going to be, uh, I can't remember the words he used with Mark Craig, but something along the lines of we should get coach of the year votes or we, it's a, it's a miracle or something like that. So we've heard it now two years in a row and the, the moves that they made Signing Dalvin Tomlinson, signing Patrick Peterson, signing Xavier Woods, signing Nick Vigil would suggest that they felt like we can win with this team this year or it's we have to win or we're going to lose our jobs. But nobody said, hey, we the corners we have last year didn't work out. Let's try that again. Let's tear this thing down and try to rebuild and just play for three or four years from now. It was let's patch as many holes as we can quickly to try to win right now and 
they haven't been able to do it. And it's, even Mike Zimmer's confidence level in training camp, mm-hmm. he was in a great mood for a lot of training camp, and a lot of that seemed to be based on the fact that I have all these veterans that know what they're doing, and this defense is going to be a lot better. Right. And the defense, of course, has been better. 12th is not that good. And not only that, but you've had a— <laughs> 31st, I guess. It is, but you've had a very nice run of quarterbacks That's to play against. also true. Baker Mayfield— playing hurt, Jared Goff being Jared Goff, with no receivers, by the way. His yeah. receivers got hurt in that game. And then Sam Darnold, who got benched the next week. And receivers and, that looked like they were allergic to the ball. Right, and then Cooper Rush. So now you face three. Uh, at least two of them are certified elite. The other one looks like he's on the track to be uh, very, very good. Oh, what's, I'm assuming the one that's certified elite is uh, certified COVID-free by then, I suppose. Yeah, I, well, right. Immunized. Um, they do they're this yeah this is a quite a stretch of unvaccinated quarterbacks that we're going <laughs> to yeah. see here um but um oh, what something as weird is happening now with the crystal ball you you're inside it what, what? how did i get yeah. inside the crystal ball yeah, that's that's you knocking i don't know how that's going to come out help the... me <laughs> i'm inside the crystal you're, ball you're, now now i'm asking you how does this go how does this play out dear ben inside the crystal ball you can see it all now how does it happen? How does it actually go? What goes down the rest of the season? I think they lose two of the next three. I think they somehow beat the Packers just to keep the hope flickering enough, so that puts them four and six. They win a couple to get to six and six, and then December, January comes calling, and what they have typically done in December and January has been to lose games where the defense looks worn out, and they just haven't been able to close. So I think they lose a couple. They certainly lose to the Rams. They lose one to the Bears. Probably they shouldn't because they tend to do that every year. And they lose to the Packers in Lambeau Field. So that puts you at 8-9 and nine out of the playoffs. And I think that means the end for the Brain Trust. Man, you and I could have been in the same crystal ball because it's exactly how I view it is they lose two of the next three. Yep. I mean, this team just has not beaten good teams in general. No, they haven't. They'll get one somewhere here, but lose two out of the next three, fight, fight, fight to the end, come up just one game short of the playoffs, seven and ten, eight, eight and nine. Uh, some good moments along the way, some bad moments along the way. Someone hangs from a truss <laughs> in the final home game. You know, something like that. Something crazy happens along the way, and we ultimately end up with – a complete change of general manager and head coach, and I don't know a quarterback. I just I'm not yeah. seeing it's it's very cloudy, but I think that a new general manager, there's a realistic possibility that a new general manager would say, let's let him play out the last year of his contract, sure. and then I'll decide what we want to do from there. Yeah, especially if you don't like the quarterback class, and if you're eight and nine, it means that you're picking sixteenth, fifteenth. I don't know where. Um, not in a spot that you're going to go get somebody that's going to make a huge difference. So, yeah, you probably say in that scenario, I could see a scenario where you say, yeah, uh, we'll we'll ride it for a year, and then we get ourselves to a spot where we go take somebody after that. And there's going to have to be a lot of overhauling for whoever yeah. is running the team yeah. because of all the one-year contracts, and that's sort of what they set themselves up for. And that's why you should always judge this as a win-now season and not a, well, hey, they're building for the future. Let's evaluate Kenny Willekes. Like, yeah, there's, there's not what this was nothing meant to be. about how this was built that would suggest this is built for the future. There's nothing they did had the tenor of anything other than we need to win right now 
and we need to fix this defense because that we don't have the talent on this roster to fix it. From what I have been told, they looked at their defensive line on on the, in their defensive meeting room this year. The depth chart had two guys that they believed were starting caliber players: Michael Pierce and Daniil Hunter. So all of the stuff about some of these younger players, you know, maybe they develop on the fly, but they did not view these guys at the beginning of the season as starting caliber players in the NFL, which is why they had to go get Talvin Tomlinson. They had to go get Patrick Peterson, all these guys. So, yeah, I, this was built for this year. This was built to save face, and if it doesn't happen, you have to ask some pretty big questions about where you go from here. Did you enjoy the crystal ball game? I did. I made I, it for you. Yeah, I, it's, uh, it's a nice twist on guess the crappy quarterback. I mean, there's only so many crappy quarterbacks that we can guess. So the crystal ball is a is a nice uh, variation for the our game show loving portion of the audience, yeah, which I assume uh, is most of them. Anybody, right? Anybody who listened to us back in the day, we would end all the shows before games by having you guess the crappy quarterbacks from the opposing team. So I just want to say Kyle Bowler, Elvis Gerbach. Perfect, perfect way to end it. So thanks for your time, Ben. Yeah, thanks and, for having uh, me on. We'll do it again soon. Sounds good. Folks, football season is in full swing, but we've got basketball and hockey getting rolling as well. And Soda Stick has got you covered. You have to see the Moose t-shirt designs for Marcus Foligno. You can also get your hands on the very popular Dollar Bill Kirill shirts as well. On the basketball side, the design with three wolves howling at the moon, perfect for the spooky fall season. And the design with the wolf carved into the state of the Minnesota is just awesome. It's very cool stuff. And hey, for you college football fans, Check out the Tanner Morgan t-shirts as well. Soda Stick has tons of hats and hoodies with all their great designs on them. You will love it. Go to SodaStick.com. That is S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K. Check that out today. Use the promo code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. And also follow myself and Soda Stick on Twitter for our giveaways. All right, everybody, before we wrap up the show, want to start something new here, and I'm going to try to stick with this on a daily basis, and I apologize if I get off it. I know that sometimes I start bits and then forget that I was doing them, but we'll stick with this one. This is going to be called The Final Drive because there's so much madness around the NFL, and we're so focused on the Vikings, I feel like I can't always get to the things that I want to share thoughts on. And so I want to go through these about two minutes each final drive, two minutes, get it right. Uh, and I promise not to botch the timeout situation or blame anybody else and say it was their fault that uh, they didn't use the timeouts for the final drive. And when we have some other guests, we'll, we'll try it right where we give five opinions on things going on around the league and we'll do it in uh, two minutes each. So let's start. Here we go. All right. First take is uh, Aaron Rodgers lying about his vaccination status or uh, let's just say using extreme semantics about his vaccination status. Uh, it really seems impossible and it is being proven more and more as we speak that the Green Bay Packers we're breaking COVID protocols. And I guess what I, I wonder about this as Aaron Rodgers is now set to miss a game against the Kansas city chiefs, which looks very winnable for the Packers normally since the chiefs have played so poorly and they struggled to even get away with a couple of point win over the New York giants. Um, but now all of a sudden the Packers, you know, may end up losing a game with Jordan love 
because Aaron Rodgers decided not to get vaccinated and instead immunized himself with whatever that means. The other part of it, too, is that Aaron Rodgers always seems to have so much to say all the time. He goes on the Pat McAfee show and he makes little cute videos when he's at odds with the team and stuff and goes on interviews and takes shots at them. And yet... For the first day after he tested positive for COVID, we have heard nothing from Rogers about why he lied about his vaccination status. And I'm sorry, using the word immunized um, is it's a lie. Okay, if you're intentionally misleading, it's a lie. Now, here's the thing. Uh, I wonder, of course about his health status and whether this could have a long-term impact on him. It certainly seemed to with Cam Newton last year. So he's sort of put their season, um, you know, maybe in jeopardy a little bit in terms of how he comes back from this. If he is symptomatic again, we haven't heard anything. And just before the clock runs out, let me say that the Vikings have also violated some of the same rules as the Green Bay Packers, and we'll see if there's any fallout there when it comes to players and their mask wearing. So there's, all right, there's our first take. On to our second one. (laughs) Odell Beckham is not going to play for the Cleveland Browns again this year, it seems. And I think uh, Odell Beckham and his dad sending out videos of Baker Mayfield missing him on throws Uh, of course has handled this entire situation poorly, but I think this is what happens when you have somebody who is on a hall of fame track and becomes one of the biggest superstars in the NFL and then falls off the face of the earth, whether it's due to injury situation or the league just figured out how to stop the guy better than they did early in his career. It's probably some combination of all of those that the offensive system is not necessarily built to throw to a number one wide receiver all the time. It's a lot of tight ends. It's a lot of crossing routes to whoever is open. And clearly there's some issue with Baker Mayfield getting on the same page as Odell Beckham. Even against the Vikings, we saw Baker Mayfield miss Beckham open several times, but it also speaks to just how difficult longevity is and have some appreciation for your Stefan Diggs and your Adam Thielens of the world. Because if you go back through NFL history, you can find all sorts of Odell Beckhams, guys who had three, four great years and they reached superstardom level and then they fell off for whatever reason. The guy who comes to mind is Andre Risen. Um, he had kind of a late career resurgence, but he was really hot for a few years and then slipped off kind of the face of the earth. Uh, Herman Moore had a few really great years and couldn't keep it up for a super long period of time. Those are, you know, some 90s throwbacks ones, but I'm sure that we could come up with tons of other examples. Uh, what David was David Boston, one of these guys who had a couple of quick, great years and then quickly fell off. I mean, that's what it. That's what it says about the all-time greats is that it's super, super hard to stay at the top. And then when a player falls off, it always gets ugly. And that's what's going on with Odell Beckham. All right, that was just over two minutes. So I ran out of time and we couldn't run the field goal team onto the field uh, because of me there. All right, next take here. You can always tell uh, when a team is lying when they use words before false. So when they're denying something, they'll say, unequivocally or absolutely false. That is the case of the Miami Dolphins uh, when they were asked about potential trades for Deshaun Watson. Their GM, Chris Greer, said 
unequivocally, absolutely, indubitably, whatever, whatever. Uh, it's pretty clear that the Miami Dolphins were trying to trade for Deshaun Watson and very likely looking into the idea that he could pay off the 22 women who have accused him of sexual assault. And then when his hand was caught in the cookie jar, um, of course, and they couldn't work out a trade, uh, then now he has to look at his own quarterback, Tua, and say, uh, no, uh, unequivocally, uh, absolutely. Um, the, the Miami Dolphins have gone from a team that looked like it was on the rise, doing all the right things, drafting a young quarterback, trading for more draft picks, tearing it down, building it back up to a complete circus in the snap of the fingers. All of a sudden, they looked like a smart GM, a great head coach who was bucking the trend of the Belichick assistant and how quickly it can all fall apart. And I don't know how they can look at their quarterback now, who, by the way, is only in his second season and has not been horrendous. I mean, you would think that Tua had been Josh Rosen, uh, but I don't blame teams for looking for an elite quarterback to trade for. I do blame them for looking to a trade for a quarterback that has like I said, 22 women accusing him of sexual assault. Uh, it doesn't get worse than that. And I think that we'll have probably a regime change soon in Miami. All right. The New Orleans Saints on uh, the trade deadline day did not make a deal. They had no cap space left, but did not try to make a deal, it seems, for another quarterback. I don't understand why New Orleans does not have Cam Newton on their roster at this moment. Now, look. Cam Newton last year for the New England Patriots was not great. He started off the season pretty good and he got them to seven and nine, seven and eight, I think, when he was starting games. So a 500 quarterback on a bad New England Patriots team last year that had no weapons and a bunch of players sitting out due to COVID concerns. And he still kind of grinded them to being in the playoff race. Well, the New Orleans Saints are already starting off with a good record here. And they're choosing to go with Trevor Simeon and Taysom Hill when he returns. Taysom Hill, he who is basically a special teamer slash tight end slash running back slash quarterback uh, that didn't work really for Cordell Stewart in Pittsburgh outside of maybe one or two years. Uh, and it, it, he is no Cordell Stewart, of course, Taysom Hill, uh, unless he's playing against the Vikings and then you, usually he is. But Cam Newton, you would think if they signed him, Brought him in for three or four weeks and did not play him. Got him acclimated to the offense. This is a guy who's been around a long time that with Sean Payton as his head coach, they could come up with a pretty good offense that would at least keep them competitive. I don't see why Trevor Simeon is considered a better decision here than Cam Newton. Are teams really that afraid of Cam being a distraction? I mean, I mean, yes, he's kind of a celebrity, but I don't know what he's ever done that has put him on the map as somebody you just can't have on your team or that's toxic. Uh, I think the New Orleans Saints are making a mistake there, and that mistake could benefit the Vikings, assuming the Vikings stick around in the playoff race. All right, our final opinion on the final drive. Uh, let's quickly discuss Henry Ruggs, and he... Uh, is probably out of the league for now, if not for a really long time, if not forever. 
Um, he is facing some very serious jail time after a horrific accident that killed another person where he was going over 150 miles per hour while drinking with a loaded gun in the car. And, you know, of all the things that have happened in NFL history, I'm sure you can think of many of them that have been tragic from, you know, Jerome Brown to, um, gosh, Lawrence Phillips. To, uh, you can go through these guys. Dante Stallworth uh, had a similar drinking and driving incident. I mean, this is life, right? Um, that the NFL reflects society where people have problems with drinking and we have a very serious drinking and driving problem. But this might be one of the saddest because it was a guy who was emerging in his career and was in such a dark place in his life that he was driving 150 miles an hour, well, way, way over the legal limit. And Derek Carr, I, I think, spoke eloquently about this, saying that he just wished that Henry Ruggs felt like he could call him at 3 o'clock in the morning. And no matter how much NFL teams try to invest and help uh, in mental health and uh, things like that to assist their players... There's sometimes nothing you can do, uh, and Henry Ruggs seems to be, I don't know, the evidence of that, that he just felt like he was in such a such a terrible, terrible place in his life uh, that that's how he wanted to act, and it ended up costing someone else and not him. Uh, this is, to me, one of the all-time worst tragedies in NFL history is what's happened to Henry Ruggs, who's... Again, his career might be over. And uh, that one, you know, some days you wake up and you look at Twitter and you see the seven worst things that you've ever read. Um, man, this one even hit different for Henry Ruggs because uh, the direction it seemed his career was going. And now who knows if he'll ever uh, be on an NFL field. Who knows how long he could go to jail for this. And it will be, of course, um, deserved. So there you go. The final drive where we will put together... Five straight opinions, two minutes each, and uh, we'll do that hopefully at the end of every show, add a little extra element to the show. So thanks so much for listening, and we will catch you next time.